what is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court, the free agency special. I am Sean Murphy, and I am joined by my Marquette Dirk Nowitzki, my uh, my rock in my life, my basketball uh, my basketball wife or, or partner, um, Troy Sergi. Troy, it's good to see you, my friend. Great to see you, Sean. And we did see each other in person uh, a solid, what was that, five days ago in Little Caesar yeah. Arena for mm-hmm. the, as, uh, as a recording, yeah. The, the draft yeah. party. So it, it's good to, to see you again, Sean. Dude, that was such a great time. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in a minute. But man, um, it has been a whirlwind of the week. And there's just been a lot that's happened. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, a, oh, yeah, that was only five days ago. Yeah. It, it, it seems like the draft was like a lifetime ago, yet it's only been a week. And it's like one of those things where you still kind of have to pinch yourself and go, oh my goodness, Kate Cunningham's a Detroit Piston. This mm-hmm. is crazy. Uh, yeah, man, it is unreal. And the crazy thing is that there's just been so much that's happened between then and now right. that like, it feels like the last time we sat down and recorded a podcast about the NBA, it felt like we were talking about a different league, you know? And so now coming in here, like that, that's the thing I love about the NBA is that literally anytime you hop in and like talk about the state of the league, it's going to change in a week's, in a week's time, even in the off season, which I absolutely love. So we have a lot that we're going to be diving into, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, Troy, um, other than Cade Cunningham being a Detroit Piston, um, Mm -hmm. what's been your personal highlight of, of the NBA the past week? What's been the personal thing that's been the coolest for you uh besides the draft is what you're saying yeah besides Cade uh besides Cade just everything in general um yeah I mean the draft itself was was pretty cool uh I mean it's always cool no matter what type of draft you have to welcome 16 new guys into the league but I would say I mean (laughs) something that also happened on that trade uh that day was the trade between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Washington Wizards uh, with, with the Lakers getting Russell Westbrook, to me, that uh, has to be a highlight of the past five days. I don't think you can work any way around that trade. Um, every uh, sports newspaper website and TV show has been talking about that trade. So um, I, I really don't think there's anything else besides that, Sean. I mean, there's a lot of cool, cool stuff that, that uh, with free agency, but that trade has just sparked the league in a lot of different directions. Yeah, it uh, really kicked off the chaos, didn't it? Um, it kicked even, off the chaos, yes. I mean, yeah, it's crazy, man. There's even, with, with free agency, there's always something going on at all times. Even just now, as we were talking, I got the news that Hassan Whiteside has agreed to a deal with the Utah Jazz. So, Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so things can just happen, literally, <laughs> on a dime. Yeah, I have a... I have Woj's tweets on for notifications. So okay. whenever he tweets something, I get notified immediately. So whenever something goes down, I don't miss it. So um, yeah. shout out to Woj, only person I have notifications on for tweets. <laughs> Another um, so. highlight I would like to just briefly, briefly, briefly add is uh, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers got some real estate in their head <laughs> and uh, signed some Andre Drummond. <laughs> Troy, Troy, we will get there. Believe me. <laughs> We will get there. Actually, I want to talk about it before we forget. Real okay. quick, that is the funniest thing in, in the history of free agency. Just <laughs> how poetic that uh, three years ago, um, Andre Drummond was talking this big game about how he's the best big man in the league and how he's that he has a big uh, he has a big payday coming up. 
and all this stuff. And now he's going to be Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid's backup. I was going to say Joel Embiid Jr., right? (laughs) (laughs) JV Joel. How about Uh JV Joel? We got a new nickname on the podcast. Oh, my goodness, dude. Dude, not only does uh, Joel Embiid have free real estate in that man's head, but he gets to have that free real estate with him at all times. So yeah. Uh, yeah. good for Joel Embiid. Um, and uh, yeah, how uh, how Andre Drummond has fallen, man. That is uh, replacing Dwight Howard as, as Joel Embiid's backup center. So a guy that thought he was going to be getting 100 over, a guy that thought he was getting a maximum contract in free agency last year. Um, now is probably playing on a vet minimum, but enough about that because this is from half court where each and every week, Troy and I sit down, talk all the things, NBA basketball, and we post every Tuesday, except this week where we will be posting on Wednesday because of free agency. I assume you understand that, but if you like what we got going on here, if you want to keep up on updates, all things from AFCOR, you can follow me on Twitter at Shanye West 255. You can follow Troy Sergi on Twitter at Troy Sergi 44. Uh, this is a great podcast where we get to t- sit down, talk all things NBA basketball, why we love this league. And if you like it, share it with your friends, leave us a positive review, follow us. We are on any podcast service of your heart's desire. And with that, Troy, there's just so much to get into, man. It is absolutely unreal. Like I, you and I were literally saying right before we get on here, like, let's hope we keep this under three hours. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Yeah. Um, and I think um, there's no better way to talk about this week in basketball than going chronologically. Right. I, I think that's and, our only option. And I think you got to start with the draft, but not just the draft itself. Um, to your point, um, the first, the, the, the domino that, um, that, that kicked off the chaos of this past week, of course, being that, um, that there was a little bit of a trade and, and, and you know, I wouldn't say little, but, um, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers to play alongside, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James in exchange for Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and the Lakers' 2021 first-round pick. Now, I was driving to Detroit for the draft party when this happened. And so, I it hit me, it blindsided me. Um, I know that um, the Lakers had quite a few guys um, that they were interested in. Um, to me, it felt like they were going to be the, the favorites in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. And that felt like that's where things were going to go, that they were going to get Kyle Lowry at the, at the time. Um, it looked like they were super close on trading for Buddy Heald, um, but that fell through. And the reason that it fell through was because of the fact that uh, this deal happened. So Troy, um, there's a lot to talk about with this deal. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start, I want you to start with what, what's your initial thoughts on Russell Westbrook being an LA Laker? Uh, spacing is going to be a little rough. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, my initial thought on Thursday when I thought of that is just, I guess 
I guess kind of why. I mean, I, I, I just I don't think it's going to work out in a, in a championship setting, but I do think I still pick the Lakers to come out of the West. Right. Uh, it, 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 I guess it makes sense if you want to have multi-time, you know, uh, multiple-time All Stars, uh, future second ballot Hall of Famers on your team. Um, second ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah. You don't think Russell Westbrook makes it in first ballot? Uh, I mean, he's got the triple. Like, uh, here's the thing: I'm not a Russell Westbrook guy, and you'll very much hear that in a moment. But he's he's first ballot Hall of Famer with the triple double stuff alone, right? Yeah, you got me there. But yeah, I, know. Um, I know. I, I think okay. I, I get why they want a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer, Sean. I, I get that part. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's just it's just hard to have all those guys gel. I mean, think about their team right now. I mean, I don't want to get ahead with one of the names that I'm about to list, but the first one I'm going to list because we have to. Carmelo Anthony now. Yep. Uh, LeBron James. Uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Like those are th- four guys who will be in the hall of fame one day and all four on the exact same basketball team right now. So you can't say it's a bad idea. And you, you basically traded role players to get it uh, start guys that can start on most teams, but role players on that team. And it, it makes sense why they wanted to do that. And, it, and, and I think their return is good. I think Russell Westbrook is a good return for those guys, like 100%. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not like ESPN to take is the past four days of saying best thing ever for LA, going to win championship, might as well not play the season because mm-hmm. LA has got it. Like I'm not that level, Sean. And I know you're not either, but it's – it's it's I, they, I I see the point I see I see what they were thinking but still I have to ask the question why and I know that's kind of an oxymoron of I don't know why they do that but I see why they do that but you know what I'm saying like I know exactly what you're saying yeah it's it makes sense are... I can put myself in their shoes but if I were a GM I would not be making that move <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it makes sense Um, If you're the Los Angeles Lakers, because the Lakers are known for stars and this gets another star on their lineup. Yeah. However, um, this is where I step in and I don't have any other way of saying this. I think this trade is absolute buds. Now, listen, I think there's got to be a genuine conversation at some point that Rob Palenka is a a terrible general manager, because look, man, beyond beyond the first season when the Lakers won the championship. Um, you know, I, I mean, LeBron's been a Laker for three years now. This is coming up in his fourth season. Um, you know, obviously uh, did the trade to get Anthony Davis. No brainer move. I mean, you traded a ton of assets to get him, but obviously it was worth it because it brought them back to not only championship contention, but they want a championship. Right. And yeah. then the Lakers said, no, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to completely reshape our roster. Um the only guy that's left from the guys that they brought in now will be Marcus Um, You know, Dennis Schroeder, he's gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Montres Harrell went from a six man of the year to a piece to use in a trade to send to Washington. Like his career, his values completely dipped. Kyle Kuzma, um, they've completely botched the development of him and have made his value to be where it is now. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, last year was not a good year for them. And I understand 
that um, there was this desire to bring in a point guard that could really score and bring some pressure, uh, take some pressure off of LeBron and Anthony Davis, which don't get me wrong, that piece of it makes sense. But they chose, in my opinion, the worst player to compliment LeBron and Anthony Davis because... I think that's the point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because listen, man, they this wasn't the only route that they could have gone. They could have brought in Kyle Lowry. They could have done a sign and trade. They could have also gotten Buddy Heald with Kyle Lowry. And then I think if you're looking at a lineup that is better for the Lakers, uh, Kyle Lowry, who is uh, more than certainly a serviceable point guard in the NBA, alongside Buddy Heald, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Marcus Soul, that's a pretty dangerous lineup in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also it fits the need that the Lakers had, which was they needed shooters. Right. And yeah. now, um, and we'll just cut, let's just couple in everything that the Lakers have done so far, because you kind of can't talk about the Russell Westbrook trade without talking about the moves that they made. Here's here are the guys that the Lakers brought in to replace who they lost. Okay. So first of all, they lost Caruso for nothing to Chicago. Yeah. That was another thing that happened, which. Um, Caruso was a guy that um, multiple reports suggested you thought very highly of and wouldn't trade. Um, He was an untouchable and you let walk to Chicago. And now you bring in to replace the guys that you lost. You bring in Carmelo Anthony, which um, Carmelo Anthony is a shell of himself. He is now a spot up shooter. And I think that's important to note. Because yeah. people are like, oh my God, they got Carmelo Anthony too? Yeah. Got- He's no different than your KCP that you lost. I, yeah, I, I see him as kind of like, a, I kind of see him as kind of like a like a poor man's Robert Covington. Kind of sure. like, kind of like can go out there, shoot you the three, but can't really do much defensively. That's why I say poor man's. Sure. Um, and then they bring in Dwight Howard, which, you know, that <laughs> why, why you let him walk in the first place was a little weird, but then... Um, Trevor Ariza. People are talking about Trevor Ariza as if this is an amazing signing. Uh, Troy, where did Trevor Ariza play last year? Um, well, I know he was on Detroit for about two hours. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he went to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think he played. Um, couldn't tell you much. Uh, Malik Monk agrees to a one-year deal with the Lakers. I like that move I... a little bit, though. I do eh, like that. I like listen, that, Sean. Malik Monk was a good signing. Um, it's not the transcendent signing that, um, that NBA pundits are making it to be. Um, in my opinion, I think when, um, uh, here, here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll say this in a minute and I'll, or I'll expand on this in a minute. Um, people are saying they really like these pieces now, but a month into the Lakers season, they're going to talk about how the Lakers don't have a supporting cast and that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. Um, and because... that's, that's the big thing too, because it's, mm-hmm. I, I love, uh, you know, our buddy Motown Noah, he made a video called um, the Lakers just made the funniest trade ever. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it, cause it's not true. Like it's, it, it makes sense because of the star aspect, but it's, yeah. it's going to bite them in the butt because there's no surroundings. There's no, there's no supporting casts around that that team now you know exactly it's just a, because yeah yeah and then yeah and then and then just just a complete like just the rest of the free agents they brought in so far um wayne allington kent Bazemore, kendrick nunn Taylor horton tucker at this point 
The only chance that you have to bring in another decent guy is if you do a sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder's contract. But the thing is, is that Devin Schroeder is not a valuable asset right now. And I think there's reasons why we're not hearing a whole lot of traction around him as a free agent is because he wants big money and people don't want to pay it. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where um, he completely, his value was diminished because of his performance in the playoffs. Andre Drummond's value is completely diminished because of his performance in the playoffs. It's one of those things where now you have a Los Angeles Lakers team where outside of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and, uh, and Russell Westbrook, you have two guys that are the, that are under the age of 30 or 35. You have Talon, uh, you have three, Talon Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a seasoned veteran, which people say, oh, well, veterans win championships. You need veterans to win championships. Not that many. (laughs) Exactly. You don't need that many because, listen, man, what happens when they go down? Because, you know, you know, these guys are going to miss chunks of the season. You know, Trevor Ariza isn't exactly a spring chicken anymore. Mm -hmm. And the other Mm -hmm. thing, too, is where's the defense on this team? Yeah, you have Anthony Davis, you have LeBron, you have Russell Westbrook. Out of all these guys, who's going to play defense? I couldn't tell you, Sean. Like Trevor Ariza was a reliable lockout, lockdown defender four LeBron years ago. LeBron might be your best defender, Sean. Well, Anthony Davis is their best defender. He won. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I didn't yeah. think. I, I was thinking about more on-the-ball defense. but No, yeah, no, that's fair. But like. I mean, yeah, and you have Dwight Howard, who's like a serviceable ring protector, a rim protector, but like who on this team of all these guys that they brought in, like you have decent shooters here. Like if they, if they have like a wide open three, they might be able to make it. But like, what is, what's inspiring about this lineup? Because to me, I don't see anything. Like, what am I missing? Because apparently this is who I'm supposed to believe is the contender. But you lost Markeith Morris. He's gone. He's a Miami Heat now. Okay. Um, you lost um, You lost Alex Caruso. You lost Kyle Kuzma. Like, say what you will about those guys. Those guys were important to this team. And mm-hmm. now your bench, your depth is diminished. And quite frankly, your big three isn't that great. This is Russell Westbrook's third team in three years for a reason. I just wow. don't get it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's tough. It's tough, Sean. But like I said, the, the only thing that they do have going for them is the stars. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, and, and that will carry them to the Western conference finals. And I believe that the NBA finals as well, I but agree. yes, this team is sure as heck if not healthy. my favorite. Team. If healthy. If healthy, that's okay. We, we, we very much missed that piece. Yes, if mm-hmm. healthy. Because one or two, if two of these guys go down, yeah. Listen, it will have a very similar listen, uh, if, outcome if, as this past year. And it depends on which guy goes down, right? Because if Russell Westbrook goes down, I think you're fine. Um, if Anthony Davis goes down, you're screwed. You're not fine. Yeah, um, yeah. If LeBron goes down, you're even more screwed. So, mm-hmm. and, and here's the thing. It's no longer a fluke when LeBron James gets injured. Um, two out of the past three seasons, LeBron's gotten injured and has missed significant chunks of the season. Yep, so this, yeah. So this isn't a, that his injury history isn't a fluke anymore. The guy's not, the guy's 36 years old. He's going to be 37. Yeah. He's um, an old guy. Soon. Yeah. He is uh that man is a lot of miles on his body. 
And here, here's another piece that we're not even talking about. Russell Westbrook works best in the open court, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Who, who in the world on this team is going to run in the transition with Russ? Do you really <laughs> think this Lakers team is designed to play in the transition? This is a this is I would have said Kuzma. I would have said Kuzma, but not yeah. anymore. Well, even then, like, I mean, maybe like if Kendra Kendrick Nunn's on the court with you, but like why would you want Kendrick Nunn and Russell Westbrook on the court together? I mean, maybe LeBron some possessions, maybe Anthony Davis some possessions, but like you don't have anyone on this on this roster that like you're you're essentially asking Russell Westbrook to be a half court point guard. And if you're asking Russell Westbrook to work in the half court, you're Yeah, there's you're not just, much explosiveness there. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the thing of okay, well, um he doesn't have a reliable jump shot. So when it comes to the playoffs, his field goal percentage diminishes because they because they essentially force him to take that shot. And now you're going to be in a situation where the Lakers, if you're the Lakers, if you don't figure out how to use Russell Westbrook on your offensive end, you're essentially playing four on five, which allows you to double team LeBron or Anthony Davis at all times. And you're mm-hmm. not worried about Russell Westbrook being open on the three, because if he shoots it, that's a good shot for you. Mm-hmm. So listen, man, I like, Am I saying that the Los Angeles Lakers are not going to win a title this year? No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that definitively because they should be the favorites to go to the finals. They they have LeBron James, and if you have LeBron James on your team, more than likely he's going to make it to the finals, or at least he's going to make it deep. But um, this, without a doubt, of all the teams that LeBron has been on, um, this is, in my opinion, his worst. Uh, worst contending team he's been on in a long time. It's uh, the most interesting, though. I don't even think it's... It's the most interesting from the fact that it's a head-scratcher. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. Like and, and, like, it... You know, I could see a scenario where it works if LeBron James is playing power forward, where Anthony Davis is playing center. But guess who doesn't like playing power forward? LeBron James. Guess who doesn't like playing center? Anthony Davis. Yeah. So um, if those guys are saying that they're going to compromise so that Russ can come in and play. Um, you're fooling yourself. You're yeah, exactly. They're fooling themselves if they <laughs> believe that. And so, um, and, and, it, and here's the thing, if this doesn't work, the Lakers are screwed because um, that contract of Russell Westbrook's, it's not exactly a small contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the fact that the Wizards didn't even have to use a first round pick to move that contract, which tells you, by the way, Russell Westbrook's value. If he had to get moved to literally any other team, they would have to use a first round pick to attach to it in order to move Russell Westbrook. Um, if that's the value of your contract, that doesn't exactly speak highly to the value of the player. Mm-hmm. And Russell Westbrook, he's a great NBA player. You know, he goes out there, works hard every night, you know, yada, 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 all this stuff. Can't criticize him for some reason. But listen, man, I just don't like this fit. I think it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's absolute it's gonna, buns. <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. I am so excited to see, to just watch it, to watch a Lakers game. I, mm-hmm. I it's going to be interesting as, as an outsider, outsider is, and we're not diehard Lakers fans. Um, right. um, just, just to watch and see what, what goes on there. I, 
I can't see you being pumped besides the fact that you have a star on your team if I am a Lakers fan. Uh, but let's talk about the Wizards just super quick because I do think they get better, but not much, not much better. And, and right. we talked about this, uh, in my opinion, when you get shooters, because Russell Westbrook is not a spot-up three-point shooter, mm-hmm. uh, when you get shooters who uh, who can space out the court, like I think Kuzma and KCP can, and, and Harold will, will, will give you 110% every night, I do think they win maybe two or three more games than they did this year. But are they really setting themselves up for a future? Probably not. Um, but right. I do think somehow, some way, they – when you get shooters like that, you're going to get a little better. Yeah. Well, in, in the initial, the initial thought when the wizards made the deal was, okay, well, if Russell Westbrook's out, then does that mean Bradley Beal's out? Um, and that was kind of the initial thought. And then the reports came out. Nope. They're very much still committed to him. Bradley Beal does not want to be traded. And then that just caused, I was even more confused at that point. I was like, okay, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Other than, other than freeing up cap space. Um, which, you know, here's, listen, if you're the Washington wizards and you think that you're a free agent destination, you're full of yourself. Yeah. However, absolutely. <laughs> however, I will say, um, every report suggests, um, this hasn't happened yet. So things could change, but it sounds like Spencer Dinwiddie is close to making a deal to become a Washington wizard, which yeah. if that happens, I love that move for the wizards. I actually think that's an amazing deal, an amazing deal for the Wizards because you get to bring in um, a young guy who hasn't been given a whole, who has not been given um, a whole ton of a chance to shine and prove his abilities. But I think, in my opinion, if he um, if he reaches his potential, um, he could be a cornerstone piece for the Wizards, whether alongside Bradley Beal or without him. So um, I think that was a great get in free agency if that ends up being true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, they, they haven't really had a guy to, to lead the offense um, in the past couple of years because Westbrook, of course, a point guard, but he's not the type of like, you know, like Chauncey Billups type of leading, you know, leader point guard who, 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 who spaces things out and, and runs the show from that perspective. He was kind of more of a ball dominant guy. Yeah, who, he's a ball diamond, ball dominant ISO point guard runs offense through the, through, through ISO generally through himself. Right. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. So, and I think Dinwiddie gives you uh definitely not as much of a ball dominant selfish type of guy at all so yeah and that and that itself will will leave room for improvement for the other guys too so yeah i mean didn't would come to the wizards would be a great thing i think one last thing i'll say about the washington wizards mm-hmm. um i think kyle kuzma is going to make the lakers regret trading him i think kyle oh, I, kuzma, I think kyle i think the kyle kuzma hate as uh has really spiraled into something out of hand um, I think people don't realize how much he had to sacrifice his role and how good he was his rookie year. Cause he was putting up 20 on a consistent basis. So yeah, he hit um, 40 against us or Pistons one game. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is um, uh, I think Kyle Kuzma is a potential early favorite to be the MIP. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good take too. And I, another thing with Kuzma too is um, of course, a couple, two years ago when the, when the Lakers were getting Anthony Davis, they made sure to keep Kuzma, right. They, they very well could have thrown Kuzma in that package to get mm-hmm. AD, but they did not. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I'm a little bit scratching my head too, why they'd give up him. So from what I see easily uh, to get <laughs> Russell Westbrook, and I'm still a little bit scratching my head why they, 
honestly why they why they threw him in that package. Um, they were also they were also shopping him and KCP in trade packages, literally to almost every team in the league. They were offering <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, like they were literally like, "Hey, you want some Kyle Kuzma? Hey, you want you want, want Kyle Kuzma with your sandwich?" Like that was like something that they were they were openly shopping him to everyone in the league. So, wow. um, in my opinion. I just don't think highly of Rob Palenka as a general manager. And I think he's going to be proven wrong on that trade. So I'm excited to see it. Um, but with that, that was, that was um, the beginning of the, of the, of the draft. And then, um, and then also some free agency stuff with it. But then um, later that night, the NBA draft happened and Oh, Troy, what a great night it was to be a Pistons fan. Um yeah. I mean, obviously, the big, uh, the big story of the draft um, is Cade Cunningham going number one to Detroit. Um, it leaks earlier in that day um, that um, Troy Weaver had met with him uh, the day before in New York and left that meeting even more co- confident that uh, Cade Cunningham was the guy. Um, Troy, you and I have talked in depth about uh, Cade Cunningham and why we felt like he was the pick. Um, what have you thought of, of Cade since? Because there's been, you know, there's the press conference and mm-hmm. just seeing, just seeing his attitude towards, towards Detroit, how embracing he is of it, how he's, he's just reemphasized. He is all in. Um, what, what have been your thoughts of Cade so far? Do I dare to say it? The new face of the franchise. I, I um, think he is the new face of the franchise. <laughs> so, yeah, with that being said, um, yeah, it's everything. I mean, I watched the entire press conference on Friday morning. I'm sorry, Friday afternoon. And uh, just really impressed with with how humble he was, how much of exciting or excited he was to uh, to play in Detroit. I thought it was very, very uh uh, humble of him to give uh, the great late uh, Chuck Daly's daughter a shout out with allowing him to wear number two. Uh, he just knows way, Detroit. Yeah. Which, by the way, sorry, the fact that they're letting him wear number two speaks how highly the franchise thinks of him. Yeah. And it also, um, him literally embodying Chuck Daly's, n- the, the number of Chuck Daly and the bad boy Pistons literally on his chest each and every game. Yeah. Awesome. But go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, and and I think um, he's excited to be here. He gets it. You know what I mean? He gets what it means to be a Detroit Piston. Uh, he gets the culture of them of, of, of the past and the culture that Troy Weaver is trying to uh, restore now. And I think he's going to help restore it. And I, I think we're not we're not going to be in tank mode anymore. You know, we're, we're still in, in the restoring uh, uh I guess you could call it rebuild the restoring rebuild, but the restoration, the restoration of, of the Detroit Pistons franchise. But I think, um, I think the biggest thing that, that impressed me was uh, his maturity for his age, mm-hmm. uh, 19 years old of, of just how he carries himself. And I, it, I think he's going to be a guy who's, going to be a, a quieter guy but puts up good numbers I, I you may disagree this is such a weird comparison but like a little bit of Kawhi's personality I thought a little bit I don't, I don't know if, if you see that um just I don't know just kind of he he doesn't speak with his words he speaks with his actions and, and his performance yeah so. I definitely 
um, I think he, he just reminds me so much of Jason Tatum in that way, where he's mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, just a quieter guy. Um, Probably he, a better he, comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, like to me, like he, he has the, he has the stoicness of, of Kawhi, mm-hmm. but Kawhi, Kawhi just likes the ball. You know what I mean? He doesn't care about the lights. Whereas like Cade, like he, he embraces the lights and he loves being that guy. But I mean, it's also about basketball. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mm kind of like a weird balance. But no, I certainly see that. And also, like, you know, just speaking, um, you know, this isn't any criticism towards Jalen Green, but I've been paying really close attention to him, too, because, you know, um, he was kind of the other guy. You know what I mean? Like, if we were going to draft someone, it was going to be Kate or it was going to be Jalen. And on draft night, they both said what their goals were going into the season. Um Jalen Green said his goal is to win rookie of the year, which is something that a lot of guys coming in the league say, which, hey, that's a great thing. That's great to strive for. You know what I mean? You want to be the best rookie. Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham said he wanted to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to me, yeah. that's uh, just showing like the difference in mindset of this isn't about me. This is about the team. I want to, I want to help bring this team to the playoffs. And How we have the, the pieces in Detroit to do that. Not saying we're going to be a playoff team at all. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is we have the pieces to make that a goal. When, of course, I don't think Jalen Green could have said that, Sean, even if he wanted to, because the Houston Rockets don't have those pieces. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and even then, it's interesting. Um, it's inter- interesting to see the philosophy of how Detroit is, is going to use Cade Cunningham because – um, you know, even today, uh, there was a press conference and um, uh, they, uh, Dwayne Casey spoke and Kate Cunningham spoke and uh, K- uh, Casey was asked about um, what his attitude is about Killian and Kate, you know, kind of what the what the situation is. And um, the, the Pistons, as it sounds, are really focused on this is a positionless lineup, you know. Um, he said, uh, this is just direct quoting from, uh, from Dwayne Casey. It said, I'm not going to put a number on Cade and Killian. Casey said after Tuesday's uh, first Piston Summer League practice where their two recent lottery picks played side by side. Both of them are 1A and 1B. Either one can bring it up. Either one can initiate offense. Either one can run pick and roll. What we want to work, on, work to is positionless basketball. Yeah, that's very so, smart for that team to do. And I think, um, I think with that mindset of saying, "Hey, these uh, this isn't our point guard and our shooting guard; these are our playmakers. They are both long. They're both versatile, versatile. They're both athletic. They both have speed. And uh, I think just having that mindset going into it is going to be a great thing. So um, I've absolutely loved what Kate's been doing." Um, and he even came in and said he wants to win the summer league. He wants to go undefeated. They mm-hmm. want to win the summer league. So just that that competitiveness and that fire that they've shown and even him getting right to the gym, uh, right to work after the press conference too. Um, I love everything I'm seeing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out that uh, uh, press conference. I didn't ever catch any of it, but it sounds like coach Casey for sure. Uh, it's a little bit that you've, that you've said and described and a positionless offense is phenomenal for that team mm-hmm. uh, because those guys can play the one and two very, very well. And I think uh, K definitely being a combo guard too, uh, or you could call it maybe even a point forward too. 
uh, it's it's just it's going to be such an exciting year. And it, it's Sunday, right? Sunday is when the summer summer league starts. Am I right with yep. that? Mm-hmm. I believe yeah, so, Sunday yeah. is going to be fun watching watching that team because oh, there's so much potential. I think uh, with with that roster. Uh, oh no and, doubt about it. Uh, and their second round picks too uh, excite me. Uh, Livers and uh, Gaza and Garza. Uh, yeah, Garza. I'm sorry. And um, I'm very offended, Troy. How dare you? <laughs> what's your seven two guy's name? Balza. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very good core there too. That I think has potential to uh, be somewhat role players on on this upcoming uh, Detroit Pistons roster. So the future overall, looks good. Overall, great draft. I think Isaiah Livers. Um, of those second round picks, I think Isaiah Livers has the is the most NBA ready. And in my opinion, I think I think he can step in if he can be like a if he can be like a like a slightly lesser like Sadiq Bay. I think that's a huge win to get that it, kind of guy. That's in the, huge in the second and, round. So, and I haven't really thought about his ceiling or anything like that. But I think uh, you being a Wolverine fan, you might have a little more insight than me as a Spartan fan. But uh, uh, I, I I look I look forward to having him on our team. Yeah, he shot 43% from the three last year. Um, so he's an elite shooter. And um, I think uh, I think grabbing a guy that can shoot the three and defend um, that well in the second round, absolute steal. So yeah. uh, he was originally supposed to go in the top 20, but then with his foot injury in March, I um, think that kind of just uh, made him drop a little bit. But hey, you know what? Um, it was to our benefit. So I'm not saying no. Um, so absolutely exciting draft out of the Pistons. Um, mm-hmm. I think kind of the one last thing we'll kind of touch on in the draft is, um, you know, there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of a surprise as to how yeah. things went down. I would say yep. the other um, the other big headline of the draft was um, number four. Uh huh. The the fourth and fifth pick debacle. I think um, not time. debacle, but I think uh, switch around, switcheroo. Yeah, the old switcheroo. I think the Orlando Magic have to feel pretty good um, with this draft and have to feel pretty fortunate because um, Jalen Suggs, who I never even considered in my head another scenario than Jalen Suggs being a uh, being a Toronto Raptor. To me, yeah, me too. It, it just made too much sense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just, he, he fit right in. He could replace Kyle Lowry. He could be the point guard of the future. Um, absolute stud prospect. Instead, the Toronto Raptors go with Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. Poor man, and Stanley Johnson. Ah, uh, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Um, more of a joke sean but you no get no I mean. no i know i get it i get it i like it i like it um but i had to pause and i was like i i could kind of see some stanley johnson there um yeah scotty barnes goes number four to the raptors and listen um if there's any guy uh any gm i'm going to trust in the league it's masai ujiri um, I think he's probably the best GM in the NBA right now. Um, just with, just with what Toronto was able to put together and bring home with the Kawhi trade and all that stuff. And, um, and the, the, just the litany of, of prospects that they had there too. But um, this was a shocker. Mm-hmm. 
absolute shocker. We were holding each other down at the uh, draft party when that happened. Yeah, everybody was like, whoa. Like, it, it shocked every single person in the arena. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hey, um, congratulations to Scotty Barnes. Um, he's, he's 6'9", 227 out of Florida State. Um, he's kind of, uh, kind of gives me like a Thaddeus Young kind of vibe where he's kind of like a point forward can facilitate if need be. Um, really, uh, he, he's a good ball handler. He can, he can finish at the rim, things like that. But I think, uh, I think they're hoping that he can be, um, he can, he can kind of have that magic Johnson comparison, I think is what Toronto's really licking their lips at. So we'll see if they're right, but I don't see it. I don't see it either. I, I, I would probably go more Harrison Barnes without a sh- as good of a, as good as good of a shot but i think that's even maybe a stretch but we we wish him the best don't we sean yeah, yeah you were not high on him um, i'm not high on him no hey but hey listen jalen Suggs, congratulations um and then they also got franz wagner out of michigan so mm-hmm. solid wing solid point guard i think I, uh, they came out better than we expected the orlando magic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. listen i I thought they were kind of in dead man's land. I thought they kind of got screwed in the lottery. Big time. Um, but for them to get Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner, I think they're, uh, I think they're sitting pretty, man. Um, the one last thing I'll say about the draft, um, how many point guards can the, can the Sacramento Kings draft? <laughs> that is my genuine question because they go out and they get Davion Mitchell out of, out of, uh, out of uh, Baylor. And it might've just been a situation where they thought Davion Mitchell should have gone higher and that they thought he was a steal and they just had to draft him. And they're notorious for that as a franchise, which listen, I understand. I completely get it, but they have now they have, they have De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. Yeah. Positionless basketball, right, Sean? (laughs) Listen. Yeah, I get it. If those guys were more versatile, but they're all six, three and under <laughs> like, what are they doing? Yeah. I just don't get it. But Hey, you know what? If they, uh, that's their funeral, man. And that's why Sacramento is always going to be drafting in the lottery. Right. Since 2002, Brett, my friend, since 2002, <laughs> did you just call me Brett? I called you brother and buddy and friend at the same time. And it just came out of Brett. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man, I love it, Troy. But that was the draft. Um, not not a ton to talk about other than that. I think overall the draft kind of went by the numbers, everything you'd expect. And mm-hmm. neither of us are draft experts, and uh even the experts don't fully know what they're talking about. So um not really much to to discuss other than that. I think ultimately it's a great draft class. I'm excited to see yeah. excited to see what those guys do, you know. I think uh, was it Kaminga joined the Warriors was a good good fit too. We didn't touch on, but oh for sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely, um, yeah, that was an absolute steal. Um, but now, more importantly, it is uh, it is free agent time. Yeah, and uh, free agency kicked off yesterday uh, on uh, Monday at six thirty and. Um, there has not been a shortage of moves that have happened. Um, we will real quick just say, um, because I think, um, you know, people are probably going to think, oh, well, you got to talk about what the Pistons did, which is true. But to be, to be honest, Pistons wise, I don't think there's much to talk about. 
Um, we got we got Kelly Olynyk on a three year deal. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm just gonna say this: people on Twitter that are freaking out about that, shut up! Like, just shut up. Because, There's a lot listen, of them. I know. And listen, man, you did the same thing with Mason Plumley last year, and that turned out to be perfectly fine. He's a rental and player. He's a rental player. He he comes in. He's on a three year contract with a team, uh, with a team option on the third year. By the way, team option on the third. So insanely tradable contract next year. On top of that, he comes in, he stretches the floor, he allows the pit, he allows more playmaking, a more versatile offense from that sense, because now you have more guys on the court that can shoot the three. And the salary cap is going up by $7 million next year. So at the end of the day, his contract really doesn't even impact our salary cap. So what's the problem? That's all I'm going to say. There's no problem. And then other than that, we bring in Trey Lyles on a two-year deal. And Corey I like Joseph. him a lot. Yeah, I like him we, a lot. And we were able to bring back Corey Joseph on a cheaper deal, more team-friendly deal as well. So good signings, nothing really to talk about there. But there has been a lot that has happened. Yeah. Um, and I'd I got say, one team in mind for sure, but go ahead. All right, perfect. So um, we already touched on the Lakers. And I think there's two teams in particular we're going to have to touch on next. Um, yeah. I want to hear which team you want to talk about, Troy. Chicago. The Chicago Bulls. Troy, they are swinging for the fences. I cannot believe it. I, I am I'm shocked, utterly shocked. Yeah, so let's get into it, man. Let, let's, yeah. uh, let's talk everything that they've been doing. Um, so Lonzo Ball was mm-hmm. the first domino to fall. Yeah. Uh, did, not, did, not, did not intend to rhyme, but hey. It happens sometimes. Lonzo Ball, the anyway, first time out of fall. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Lonzo Ball is going to be heading to Chicago in a sign and trade, and he is going to be he's going to be there for four years, eighty five million dollars. Lonzo Ball is the new starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls, but they were not done because then we hear that Alex Caruso mm-hmm. is going to be coming to Chicago on a four year deal deal yeah. with the Bulls. But hey, that's not it. Because then, <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Because now we got Demar Derozan yeah. heading to Chicago in a sign and trade, which yeah. is going to send lo- the likes of Lori Markkinen down to San Antonio. Thaddeus Young too, right? Or am I wrong? Um, I don't know. Let me pull that up. Um. Okay. So it looks like. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Bulls. Okay, so they'd actually wow, they did not send marketing. So no, it was deal, a draft pick, a couple draft picks. Um, so they sent the, the Bulls sent Thaddeus Young, Alfred Gaminu, a protected first round pick, and two second round picks to the Spurs for DeMar DeRozan. Which if I'm the Spurs, which I'm the Spurs, it's a pretty good return. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad return, but hey, um the uh DeMar DeRozan's a Chicago Bull. Um, Troy, what are your thoughts on, on what Chicago's doing? Well, first we have to start with Lonzo and, uh, I, mm-hmm. I like it. I, I think he has an opportunity to flourish there. Uh, of course he's not Steph Curry with a 90 inch vertical. Uh, but, uh, you get that reference. Uh, Mike Crozembo made a video back in, uh, oh my like gosh. 2015 and it was called, well, originally it was called, uh, Lonzo ball, the next Steph Curry with a 40 inch vertical. And he got so much heat for it that he just, he went along with the joke and changed the title to 
Alonzo Ball, Steph Curry with a 90-inch vertical. <laughs> Anyways. Dude, Mike Corzemba, he he has some of the worst takes on the internet. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think he helps Chicago a lot. I think he's a, he's a guy who has a lot to prove still in the league. And I'm a good point that I, I like to think about is if you think about how many point guards in the NBA who it had to take them a couple of years to get situated, right? We think of one of our favorite guys, Chauncey, right? He, he needed five plus years to, to fit well and to become the player that he, that he became. So I, I think it's okay for uh, a point guard, especially one that's dropped in the top three to um, to have a couple of years where he, he gets used to the league, how he learns to score, how he learns mm-hmm. to pass and and f- facilitate an offense. So I think uh, Lonzo Ball really fits that team well. And I'm excited what he can do in Chicago. Uh, I, Caruso is going to be fine. I think he's going to be a strong role player for that team. Um, really, whenever L.A. needed him to, to come in, he, he, he came in and fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and DeRozan's a guy who... Um, I don't know. Like I, I really like DeRozan, but it's, I think it's been tough for him so far to really excel, to, to put it, to put him from uh, maybe even like a, a, a third tier guy to a, a fourth tier guy. Would you say that uh, to be the yeah, case? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, listen, man, I think DeMar DeRozan, I, I think he's an absolutely solid player. I think he's a good character guy. Mm-hmm. I think team, I think people, I think he's well-liked in, in whatever locker room he steps in. And I think he's a really, uh, really good athletic player. Um, when you are a scoring wing in the NBA and not only do you, um, uh, are you not good at shooting the three, but you refuse to shoot the three, mm-hmm. um, you, you automatically, change. your yeah. value is automatically lower. Yep. So um, that's always going to be the thing with DeMar, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan, man. Imagine if he added a three-point shot, he'd be a superstar. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I would say he's uh, hovering, be, you know, a little, little more than a three, but definitely not a four-tier uh, talent in this league. So I, I think he, he helps him out tremendously, but is he going to be um, as good as probably some Bulls fans are hoping? Probably not. Uh, but I, I'm just surprised. Chicago's you know going going this hard this quickly because I never thought that I thought they'd be in a little bit of basketball purgatory for a little bit would you agree Sean yeah so that's kind of where my head's at is yeah so I love that they're building around Zach Levine um I liked the trade for Vucevic in in at the trade deadline last year Mm -hmm. I thought that was a solid trade for them and I and I expected Lonzo so that was, to me, I saw that as writing on the wall. I thought that was going to be happening for months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DeMar DeRozan piece is interesting because, in my opinion, I think DeMar DeRozan is a solid addition to this team from the sense that he adds an extra scorer there. Um, he doesn't have to be the first option. That's Zach Levine. He's not even the second option. That's Nikola Vucevic. Um, so I think for him to be able to be a third option on a, on a playoff team, I think is kind of a sweet spot for DeMar DeRozan. You're not being asked to shoot the three. Um, you're being asked to come in and defend and you're going to come yeah. in and you're going to do other things. But I think at the same time, um, when push comes to shove, um, I've been saying this to people all day. Um, I don't see anything above a fifth seed for this team. And I don't see anything above a second round exit for this team. 
Yeah, so, I was gonna say I, my my take was gonna be Sean uh, a six seed, higher or lower. Yeah, fifth fifth is their ceiling. Okay. I don't think I don't I think agree. that's where I they go. Too. Um, I agree too. Because if you look at the landscape of of the NBA right now, um, let's let's just do it, Troy. Let's go through each conference, okay? Um, okay. Let's let's just go through the teams that are in the top of the Eastern Conference right now. I'll just let's name start every- with number one, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so are they better in Brooklyn? No. Are they better than Milwaukee? No. no. Are they better than Philadelphia? No. No. Um, are they are they better than Boston? Probably not. Probably not. However, Boston's a team I want to get into in a minute because um, mm-hmm. I am concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, are they better than the Knicks? Maybe. 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 I mean, Maybe. I'm going to say I'm going to say. Well, yes, we forgot but... another team. We forgot another team. Atlanta. Atlanta. Are they better in Atlanta? No. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. But so that puts them at about the fifth or sixth spot. Um, and then just the fact that they have all these other teams and these other, you know, listen, man, the Eastern Conference isn't a joke anymore. So I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be in around that range. But like, here's here's the question I, I ask, Troy. Is Zach Levine the guy you'd build your team around? Nope. He's great. Love Levine, but no. This to me just this to me just seems like it's a move of desperation. Like the like the Bulls just have a desire to be in the playoffs. And listen, man, hey, there's nothing wrong with striving to be in the playoffs, but if you're not striving to be a championship team, then what's the what's the strategy here, you know? And mm-hmm. and like is there a scenario where this team's a, a championship team? Right. No, we, absolutely we, not. We can somewhat put ourselves in their shoes, though, of what we did uh, solid three and a half years ago by bringing Blake Griffin. I mean, I don't know if we were competing for a championship those years. I, I would be shocked if that was the mindset. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we were at a desperation spot, too, when we brought in Griffin. Yeah, I agree. Did you agree, too? Yeah. Yeah, but here's the difference. We didn't put as many chips in the front in the middle of the table as, as Chicago is. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. with Blake, we we only had him for like three more years. We didn't sign any other crazy contracts than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And whereas mm-hmm. this bulls team, they're putting $85 million in Lonzo ball's pocket. They're putting $57 million. Yeah. In they're Martin building Rosen's their pocket. team around this roster. Yeah. Yeah. They are all in on Vucevic, Zach Levine. He, they're going to pay him real soon. Um, this is their nucleus. This is what they're rolling with. Um, you know, Patrick Williams is still a piece there. He's, he's a part of the equation, but how much of a chance is he really going to get to develop with these guys getting up, getting out there on the court? You know, mm-hmm. Patrick Williams, he's going to be a bench guy now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he, how is, you know, how is he going to develop? So how about Kobe, what about Kobe? Kobe white. He'll play yeah. in China or Japan. <laughs> I like no, Kobe. he Kobe white's trash, but anyway. <laughs> John, I don't think he's so. Not good. He's not that good. I think he's that good. I think he's a 78 overall 2k player. That's not that good. It's better than a 77 overall 2K player. I mean, okay, he's a solid backup point guard at that point. Yes, he's a solid backup point guard. No, I'm not saying building your franchise. I'm saying I'm saying he's not a bench player. I'm saying he's a guy who gets 20 to 25 minutes on this All roster. Right. Still. All right. He's a guy that will contribute two wins is what I'm saying. Troy, two. 
okay, that's we got to have a whole conversation about this wind shares thing. There's a you know, there's a statistic called wind shares, right? Oh, I know. Troy, we're we're gonna have the wind shares debate at some point because this is uh <laughs> that's the one thing about basketball that I don't think we see fully eye to eye on, and that that's wind <laughs> shear numbers. One hundred percent. Definitely not the thing we see eye to eye on, but that's okay. That is totally okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, so um, you know, if I'm looking at the Chicago Bulls right now, they're putting all their chips in the in the middle of the table, and I'm excited to see what happens. Here's what I will say. Um, I'm glad that we're going to be seeing the Chicago Bulls back in the playoffs because the, the, the NBA is a better league when the Chicago Bulls are contending. Yeah. I agree. Um, so just seeing them in the playoffs at all is a win for the NBA. So I'm excited to see what happens. So here's the thing. Um, that was a big deal. Another team. And again, another Eastern conference team, a team that we forgot to mention of are they are, are the bulls better than um is the miami heat troy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the i would say other than the lakers you know it's not much of a not much of a stretch to say this is the most active roster in free agency and sure. uh and they are uh they are making moves so here's uh here's a list of everything the miami heat have done so far so um, Kyle Lowry is a Miami Heat. He he heads there in a sign and trade where Goran Dragic and Precious, uh, it, you know, whatever his name is, come to the Raptors. Um, yep, he heads. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what's heading over to Toronto. So um, smart play by the Raptors, realizing that if the team wants to sign Kyle Lowry, that they're going to have to do it through a sign and trade. And, um, and they're at a point to rebuild too, I think. To yeah, degree, yeah, for sure. Degree. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and then they signed Jimmy Butler to a max extension contract. They signed Duncan Robinson to 90 million over five years. They bring in PJ Tucker on a two-year deal. That's big. They, I like that one. Mm-hmm. They bring in Dwayne Dedman. Um, they bring in uh, Markeith Morris, who's another solid player. Um, yeah, the Miami Heat, they have been active. Um, I don't see... To me, I think the ceiling is an Eastern Conference Finals team, but I don't see them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that's like uh, the that's peak like if, ceiling. Yeah, that's like if every if that's if everything clicks, right? Yeah, that's a perfect case scenario. Yeah, I think Kyle Lowry's a great fit in Miami. I think he's a great fit in Miami. Mm-hmm. I think there's better teams he could have gone to. Sure. But I think oh. he's a great oh, yeah. fit in Miami. Well, we we know he could have went to LA. Yeah, before the rust deal. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even Philly. I think he could have made it to the finals if he went to Philly. I don't I don't like Philly though. I don't like Philly either, but I'm saying <laughs> that they could have made it to the finals if he yeah, went to Philly. I, I agree. That, that, I mean, to me that's always a stretch. If you if you put LeBron James in uh, Philly, I would still say it's a stretch. I I, I don't know. It's they, they, I, I'm, it was a joke, Sean. Don't, don't give me that face. <laughs> I was like, wait, um, what? Um, but but <laughs> I, just they haven't clicked, Sean. Like I'm so right. done with the process that even a player like Lowry Lowry, I would have a hard time believing mm-hmm. that. But 
but um, no, he fits fine in Miami. And I think uh, with, you know, the surrounding pieces like Morris and, and, and Butler and stuff will be good for him. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think ultimately, I think Miami, um, they're, they're another team that's going all in on this, on this roster. Um, it's interesting to see guys like Zach Levine and Jimmy Butler be franchise players for two prominent teams, you know, being guys that, that mm-hmm. are being built around that are being seen as the franchise. Um, rather interesting. So um, it's exciting. Is it going to pay off? Hell no, but Hey, you know what? It's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else on Miami? Cause I, I kind of want to shift to Boston a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's shift to Boston um, yeah. real quick. Troy, just kind of, Kind of share your thoughts on Boston last season. Um, I'm going to get some yeah. water and let my cat out real quick. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, the Boston Celtics were out in the first round, I believe, by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, wow, this is weird doing the podcast without Sean. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, – I yeah, they were disappointing. Um, I'm sorry, they went to the second round. Second round they went – Boston mm-hmm. second round of Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were a disappointing team. I, I thought they had contentions to put possibly, possibly go to the Eastern conference finals. Um, but no, I mean, I, I love Tatum. I'm, I'm big on Tatum. So I, I, well, I think well, this past season, if you remember, they actually had to play the, uh, they played the Brooklyn Nets round one. That's right. Why am I getting this all mixed up? I, yeah, Milwaukee played because Miami. of the NBA bubble, the NBA yes. bubble. That's why. I'm thinking of the bubble. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, Brooklyn Nets out first round. I knew, I knew they did get out in the first round. I just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm big on Tatum, but the team itself was disappointing. I mean, they really started off Rocky. I thought, and uh, I, I kind of, I, I didn't, you know, outright say this, but in my head, I kind of predicted this outcome in, in the first 10 games of the season. They just didn't look like they clicked. Well, I, I don't know if Kemba really, um, I don't think they got what they wanted out of return uh, with the sign and trade they had with Terry Rogier for um, Kemba. And I think that disappointed a lot of Celtics fans and the front office. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that plan kind of failed, but they, they traded him to OKC. I'm trying to think on the top of my head who they got in return. Uh, they got, um, they got Al Horford was the headline in that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I'm a little concerned as a Celtics fan, but I'm just so big on very, Tatum. I am very concerned. <laughs> Listen, yeah. man, as long as they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're going to be a playoff team. Um, but listen, man, there are, it is time to be doing some, to, to be sharing some alarms because um, first of all, their big acquisition in the trade deadline was Evan Fournier and they don't bring Evan Fournier back. So they traded him and now he walked. Um you bring in, uh, you bring in Al Horford, who at this point is a shell of the former Al Horford. You trade one bad contract for another, um, Kemba's contract for Al Horford's contract. Yeah, right, um, right. And now, really, the only move that you have left, in my opinion, um, to make this a decent off season for you guys, um, I think. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen anything about this yet. Um, but Troy, I am confident enough to say it. Um, Dennis Schroeder is going to be a Boston Celtic. He'll be your starting point guard in Boston, in my opinion, mm. because mm. they, you know, they're going to need a guard that's going to be able to score. Um, he's been linked as a team that has interest. 
Um, the, the, the Celtics also had interest in Lonzo ball that did not work out well for them. Um, so at this point, I think, uh, I think the free agency sweepstakes brings them to Dennis Schroeder. And I think letting a guy like Evan Fournier walk, which granted I, you know, the Knicks paid a lot of money for Evan Fournier. So, um, I'm glad they didn't get tied down in that kind of contract for him, but just to let him walk when, you know, he was, a he was supposed to be a difference making piece for you guys. Um, not a great look. And also Brad Stevens, um, you know, essentially losing his job as the coach and being brought in as a, um, being brought in as a guy that's supposed to be, um, you know, now he's your president. Mm-hmm. Didn't do, it's didn't, weird. It's just weird. The, the state of the franchise, just to put it nicely is, is not good. It's not good. And, uh, you know, if listen, man, you, you got to utilize this time. You have a Jason Tatum. You got to utilize this time. You have a Jalen Brown. Um, it says a lot that the nets are, are in a position to win more than Boston is right now, following that trade that they made, because it was supposed to be that Boston was going to just make Brooklyn look like idiots out of that trade. But now uh, Brooklyn's put it together quicker than Boston has. So um, Boston has fumbled the ball at the goal line multiple times. They were a Eastern Conference Finals team two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Went to a game seven. I was going to say that like that, that was big. They had a game seven at home and was that 2018, 18? Yes. Seven, mm-hmm. 18, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a game seven Eastern conference finals at home. Now you lost to LeBron James. So you can't be uh, too upset about that, but man, you were one game away from the finals and now you're just, you're really struggling to put the pieces together. When I mean really struggling, I mean really with a capital, all caps, uh, really struggling to get to get it together. And I I think it's it's tough to see because I would probably say Boston's my second favorite team. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) Cleveland's creeping up on them since I'm in Ohio now. But uh, (laughs) you can make fun of me for that later. But um, you know, it's really the joke's going to be on you at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh But anyway. I would still, I would still say I'm a number two. The Celtics are my second favorite team, and it, it's tough to see because they had all the pieces there. They still have just, them. They're yeah. still there. Bad move after bad move, and just not smart. They, they don't seem like they like playing together. If I'm being honest with you, when when you watch a Celtics game, I, I don't know. I don't not necessarily you see beef on the court, but I don't know. It's they don't. I don't think they have their heads squared on straight. I think uh, my honest opinion is I think um, I don't think they liked playing for Brad Stevens as a coach. Okay. Um, I think now that he's removed from the the bench and he's in the front office, I think, I think they like him enough as a person to where he can be that, that front office figurehead that they don't talk to. Um, But at the end of the day, I think ultimately if I'm Jason Tatum, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not loving what I'm seeing right now. I'm not seeing a whole lot of reason to want to come back to Boston once my contract's up because he's on his rookie extension now. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. The clock, when, uh, when you draft a guy like Jason Tatum, the clock starts ticking pretty quick. 
you know, always dealt with the player of that caliber. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jason Tatum, as of right now, um, let me, let me see if I can find a complete list of their contracts. Um, Yeah. Current Celtics contracts. So Jason Tatum is currently, okay. Yeah, they're good. Um, He's signed through 2025, 2026 right now. So they got him for a while. Um, He's on his extension, but um, you know, his extension starts 2021, 2022 season. Um, But listen, man, you have, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson, you traded him. That wasn't a good pickup. Um, You've just made some bad decisions, like you've said. Um, But Hey, now, you know, now that he's on that extension, you got to start showing Jason Tatum that you want to build around him because he is a franchise caliber player. He is an absolute can't miss superstar in this league going forward, in my opinion. And if you can't utilize winning a championship with him, then that's going to be one of the biggest mistakes in the history of the Boston Celtics franchise, which is saying something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have been very disappointed um, in their free agency so far, but we'll see what they do. I will say they're going to have to do a bombshell if they want to restore this thing, but go ahead. Yeah. I will say this is not the free agency period to do anything crazy because there is there, this really wasn't a great class as far as stars go. I mean, yeah, Chris Paul was a free agent, but I mean, of course he was going to stay in Phoenix. I mean, Kawhi, his injury, he's staying in the Clippers at least for another year. Um, and he's probably going to sign a bigger contract than next year. So, um, you know, I don't see anyone right now. And, and, and the other thing too, um, Boston hasn't exactly been a free agency destination. They got Kyrie Irving in a trade. Al yeah. Horford was the one free agent to come to them. Um, so they also got Kemba Walker technically in a trade and he left after two years. So tells you how much he loved it there. So, um, yeah, if I am, uh, if I am the, uh, if I am currently a Boston Celtics fan, which mm-hmm. they are one of my teams too, that I like to root for, um, it is not good for them right now. Yeah. And I, and they had kind of a quick, uh, I don't know, you call it rebuild or restoration back in uh, the early 2010s, right after they went to the finals, that awkward years in 2013 yeah. and 14 with like uh, Jared Sollinger and those guys. And it, you know, that was the rebuilding years, you know, that those weren't, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, face the franchise trying to win. But, but it seemed like once they got Tatum, they were back on track pretty quick. Um, yeah. And maybe that's just how it works with when you have a, uh, a five-tier player uh but yeah i don't i don't know it's just it's just interesting how how quick they were able to rebuild and mm-hmm. I, you're right their clock is ticking before they're gonna have to do something similar again because i don't know how long those two guys want to stay there brown and tatum want to stay there so yeah for a franchise that's known for being run as well as they are right um their dysfunction has been has been apparent and has been showing very much so. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I hope Brad Stevens is a better uh, president of basketball operations than he is a coach um, because, you know, for Boston's sake, uh, he's got to be. So, um, Ime Akuda, great hire as a head coach, but they have a lot of work to do moving forward. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, um, otherwise, free agency has been pretty straightforward. You know, you had, you had teams like Utah, uh, Mike, Mike Conley coming back on a three-year deal. You have teams uh, like uh, Gary Trent Jr. Getting retained 
over in Toronto. Chris Paul's coming back to Phoenix. Yeah, it's big. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of teams just re-signing their talent and uh, gearing back up. Um, you know, Dallas they brought in Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr.'s back, so they Saw added that. some more shooting around Luca, some more versatile wings. The New York Knicks are retaining a lot of their pieces. Um, so overall, this has been a free agency, in my opinion. That's just been a lot of retaining yeah. and the Lakers and the Heat retooling. But um, hey, you know what? The winners. Uh, there has been over $1.4 billion exchanged over the first day and a half of free agency. So um, the winners are the players because they are getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh, do you, do you have any hunches about what tomorrow will look like, Sean? I think uh, if I were to guess, I think at a certain point, we got to be hearing on what's going on with Dennis Schroeder. Um, my gut would be that you're going to hear, uh, you're going to hear some reports on Dennis Schroeder tomorrow. I, again, um, by the time this episode posts or at some point, I think you're going to hear Dennis Schroeder talking to the Boston Celtics. To me, that's just a deal. that's going to happen. Um, I think Boston's kind of forcing a corner here where they got to replace someone at point guard and quick. And I think they need a score. So I think Dennis Schroeder is going to be that guy. Um, but otherwise, um, there's still some guys out there in the market. Um, not really a ton. I hope the Pistons re-sign Diallo. I hope the Pistons get some, um, get bring some of our guys back. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of about it. I don't think there's really going to be a bigger trade this off season than Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I can't see anything else to that magnitude either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I think another team that's really on the clock here with that's got to make some moves. Um, I think, uh, I think the Portland trailblazers, are really in a situation where they have a lot of pressure to put some talent around Damian Lillard to start contending. And yeah. uh, so far all they've done, um, they got Norman Powell back on a five-year deal. That's important. They brought in Cody Zeller on a one-year deal and they brought in Tony Snell on a one-year deal. So <laughs> haven't exactly done that. Um, so we'll see what they do, but otherwise it's been a pretty, uh, it's been a pretty by the numbers free agency, Troy. Yeah. I'm on another team that hasn't done a, really anything at all that, um, that I'm aware of that I thought would do something, maybe not crazy, but just something to push them over is Denver. Um, I don't yeah. know. They're, they're kind of, I don't know, losers in my mind for not doing anything really. Like they can't expect to make a major push with their current roster. Would you agree too? Well, they, I wouldn't say they've done nothing. Um, they brought in uh, they brought in Jeff Green on a two year deal, yeah. which I think Jeff Green's a pretty solid piece. Um, I think they're still one star away. That's that's what I mean. I thought they'd want to push for the one star away. Yeah, is what uh, I'm saying. Yeah, my only thing is I don't. I think the reason why you're not seeing them do that right now is because of the Jamal Murray injury. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're going to see them try and make that push more towards when he's ready to come back. Um, Because if, you know, my gut, my gut says Jamal Murray misses this season. My gut says Kawhi Leonard misses this season. Hmm, So, um, I mean, bringing back Austin Rivers on a one-year deal is a no-brainer. Bringing back Will Barton is a no-brainer. And bringing in a guy like Jeff Green is a pretty good deal too. I think, uh, I think, I think what their play is, if I were, if I were their GM, I think they're waiting to trade for that one extra star 
because I think they're waiting to see if uh, Michael Porter Jr. becomes that one extra star. Sure, sure. So I think that's what their play is right now. But hey, you know what? They, to your point, at a certain point, they're going to have to get one, you know, whether it's him or whether they got to make a trade because um, Nikola Jokic, uh, he is too special of a player to not try and win a championship yeah. with because big time. In my opinion, I think they very much could have been a finals team if Jamal Murray was healthy. Sure. I not just could have been, I think they would have been. That would have been a fun finals, Bucks and Nuggets, hey? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the battle of the two last names. We don't want to try, you know, try <laughs> announcing Jokic yeah. and Ante Dacumbo. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, Troy, that's uh I think that's about I think that that about does it with free agency and everything that's been going on this past week. But we do have one more thing we want to talk about. It is time to talk with Troy, the segment where each and every week we talk with Troy. And this is all Troy's segment. And Troy, uh, you have a pretty fun topic you want to go over today. Yeah, you know, on Sunday night, uh, Sunday was my birthday, actually. And I, I, I came across an old video, an old video I've watched many times in my life. But a, a, an old video that spoke to me in a way that I wanted to bring it on the podcast. And that was the November, I believe November, 2004, Malice at the Palace. A place uh, that yes. was home for uh, the Detroit Pistons for many, many years. Home to Sean Murphy and myself for many, <laughs> many years. Uh, I think, oh my goodness, if I did the math, I think I've caught, I think I caught 11 or 12 games in that arena which is a lot for where i'm from in michigan oh for sure yeah that's dedication Troy. it's dedication man so i it's home to me it's been on countless you know uh you remember the show best damn sports show period oh Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, you can't you can't love basketball and not seeing the malice of the palace and um, I guess another big spark of why I wanted to bring this on is I believe Netflix is making a yes. Master Palace documentary. Yes. So with us being Pistons fans, this is our, I believe, fourth or fifth episode together. Uh, I thought it would be very appropriate to talk about the Malice at the Palace for my segment. We've done a lot of Mount Rushmore's. We'll still bring that back. Not sure what next week holds, but today I know exactly what we're talking about. And we're talking about the Malice at the Palace from a Pistons fan perspective. Um, I'll start. Um, I think that Malice at the Palace, first and foremost, should never have happened. I think we can all all agree on that. Uh Um, I know to this day, uh, a lot of Pacers fans are still a little bit salty at the Malice at the Palace because they believe that the Detroit Pistons stole the opportunity for them, the Indiana Pacers, to be in the finals that year because of the uh, the amount of suspensions um, that the Pacers players received, such as Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and Steven Jackson. Uh, but I think a big thing that we have to talk about before the Mouse of the Palace is something that happened about five uh, months earlier at the, the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, game one and two in Indiana was some of the most best defense we've seen in the past, uh, I'm going to go 25 years. I'll go 30 years. 
in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, not, I can't think of the scores in the top of my head, but it was in the 60s and 70s and 80s, those first two games. Uh, defensive slugfest. Both teams, I believe, in game two broke the record for most blocks from that franchise for, for a playoff record. In other words, the Pistons had the most blocks in a playoff game and the Pacers had the most blocks in a playoff game. Um, and both teams' field goal percentages, let's say – were not high because of that. So it was <laughs> it was a uh, defensive slugfest, smash mouth football game, as the great uh, uh, scoreless Corliss uh, Williamson, uh, former Sixth Man of the Year, once put it. Um, so that was a, a a a series of much defense, defense, defense. Uh, get on your butt. Uh, we blocked your shot. Now get up and play some more defense kind of a series. And of course, the, the most famous thing from game two was um, four on the shot clock. I don't know if Phillips knows that taken away by Indiana Tinsley to Miller Brock bride Prince. How did Prince get there? The famous uh, Tayshawn Br- Prince block on Reggie Miller that uh, probably would have sent that game into overtime had Rid- Reggie Miller made that layup. But instead, uh, the Pistons were able to save the, bo- the ball in the inbound with uh, Rip Hamilton was right there to catch the ball once, once Prince blocked it. And uh, the Pistons, I believe, were able to win by uh, four in that margin uh, to, mm-hmm. to tie a series at 1-1 and then uh, wins game at home and then uh, push the game to uh, six games where the Pistons were able to beat the Indiana Pacers in game six to reach the NBA Finals, which, of course, they beat the Los Angeles Lakers, a team with Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, to mm-hmm. be the 2004 NBA champions. So you sign Steven Jackson in the offseason. Uh, you, of course, bring uh, Ron Artest uh, uh, into that, that, that mix as well. And uh, Jermaine O'Neal back again, stronger than ever. And you, you push that, you put that team early on in the season, the first 10 games of the year uh, in the Palace of Auburn Hills, the Pistons uh, uh, home arena, and you play them uh, very well. And not only that, but you're up by double digits with, with a minute left. Yep. And Sean, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the backstory with Ben Wallace, because I'm not too familiar with that, but I believe there was a death in the family. And I believe one of the players was uh, harassing him. I want to say the man who drew the foul, to Ben Wallace, run our test. Am I am I following that story right? Um, yeah. So that's a um, so that's a wide um, theory on the on the situation at hand. Um, essentially, there was a belief because um, Ben Wallace did lose his brother about a week before, about okay. a couple weeks before this game, and um, um, there were there were some long told rumors that run our test on that foul whispered something in Ben's ear about his brother. Um, Now I've never been able to find anything that's that Ben confirmed that. Um, So there's, there's not anything that's that there's not anything that says that that happened. Um, A lot of it comes from um, Ron Artest um, not liking a foul um, that had been committed the season before in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. I That's... believe, I, I want to say too, uh, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I want to say a couple minutes earlier, Jamal Tinsley told Ron, go get that foul on Ben from last season. And that was and that was the foul itself 
on on Ben Wallace. Um, but but if you look at it, Sean, it's not an extremely hard foul. Yeah, yeah. It's li- listen, man. It's it's not an extremely hard foul, but at the same time, um, it's really the it's really how hard of a foul it was with how much time was left in the game. Yeah. And also um, what the score was because the mm-hmm. Pacers are winning. Um, it was obvious that there was no need for that to be a hard foul. You know what I mean? And so it was clearly there. It was clearly intentional. Um, and, and here's the thing. I'm not even criticizing Ron Artest for that piece of it um, because that's, that's basketball, man. You know what I mean? Like those teams are fierce rivals back then. They hated yep. each other. And uh, Ron Artest was certainly not alone in that. And so um, he goes in, um, does that. And Ben Wallace comes back and shoves him. Shoves him. And shoves him real hard. Right in front of the Pacers he, bench. Heated. Heated. Ben is heated. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Ron Artest, he decides to lay down on the scorer's table and yeah. um, try and cool down. And this sparks an idea in a very bright Pistons fan's brain um, who had been having some, uh, some brewskis at the game. Um, he looks at his friend and says, Hey, uh, I bet you I can hit him with this cup yep. from right here. And his friend says, bet you, you can't. And um, he throws the cup in a way because he couldn't, re- he couldn't replicate this again. If he, even if he tried um, seeing what happened afterwards, he probably wouldn't have tried, but um, he throws the cup in a way that hits Ron Artest but keeps the beer in the cup and pours right on our test when it hits him. <laughs> and when this happens, oh my goodness, what it sets off because Ron, our test jumps gets, into the stance, just jumps into the stands and he immediately goes after a fan now, grabs the wrong fan grabs and punches the wrong fan, um, which causes fans to start freaking out. And they start getting in the mix too. And um, this immediately sends Steven Jackson, Steven Jackson. Yep. and, and Jermaine O'Neal into the stands. Yep. Um, and this is when everything is off. Yeah. Rasheed now, Wallace, I believe jumped on the scores table. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there were, there were some Pistons players that were going into the crowd, trying to separate things, trying to cool things down. Yeah. Um, at this point, this becomes less of a brawl and more of a riot. Yeah. Um, foods being thrown everywhere. A um, lot more, lots trash. more beer. Yeah. Yep. Trash is being thrown everywhere. Um, it, it becomes a point where the game is done. They're not bringing the game back. The rest of the game is is done the game is considered mm-hmm. finished you can um, i can still hear bill walton's voice this is a disgrace i'm sure you've heard that mm-hmm. yep. yeah which it is the darkest day in nba history yeah yeah absolutely and, the darkest and, day in nba history chauncey billups a player who, who was not involved in the brawl was still suspended for one game because he just walked back to the locker room before any announcement was happened. So he was actually suspended one game. And I believe Rip Hamilton too. They just walked away. They, they, they were supposed to stay by their bench, but they disappeared and just, to- which probably was the right choice to totally uh, remove yourself from that situation. But when you're still a part of a team, you understand, you understand you're supposed to be with your team, but they disappeared into the locker room. 
and they were both suspended for one game. Um, so you, you didn't have the full the full Piston team, uh, big names like those two involved in the Mouse of the Palace, but you sure had um, those three core Pacers involved in mm-hmm. in that. Um, and you had uh, Rick Carlisle, of course, who was the Pistons coach for for quite a few years before uh, the, they got Larry Bowne in that 2003-2004 offseason. And he was in it, and this is his own fans, uh, and, and somehow, some way, it never really escalated, uh, but it got moved to, I'm sure we've seen the video where it goes one by one uh, into the tunnel of first, I believe, went run our test. Then I believe went Jermaine O'Neal. Um, no, then went Stephen Jackson. And I think then went Jermaine O'Neal and then uh, Rick Carlisle. And all four of them, when walking into the tunnel, you can see even more beer being dumped on them. They had to cover themselves up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a Pacers assistant coaches, I believe, had run our test in a headlock walking in the tunnel. Um, so it is it all of this on national television by all the way. of this on national television um now the fallout of the yeah. malice at the palace if i could just list go ahead um so in the malice at the palace there were a total of nine players suspended um four pacers uh five pacers and four pistons um of those nine players suspended, they um, they were suspended for a total of 146 games. Yeah. Um, Ron Artest suspended for the remainder of the season, which turned out to be 86 games, 73 regular season, and 13 playoff games. Um, Steven Jackson was suspended for 30 games, and Jermaine O'Neal was originally um, was originally suspended at t- for 25 games. But after his appeal, it went down to 15. Okay. Um, the, the Pistons, um, Ben Wallace was suspended for six games. Um, Chauncey Billups, uh, Derek Coleman, and Eldon Campbell were all suspended for one. Okay. Um, because because they had because Clear. what they had done is they had stepped off the bench and onto the court, which is an automatic suspension at the time. Okay. Um, on top of that, there were also five Pacers players charged with assault and there were five fans that were charged with assault as well. Um, so there were actual criminal charges that were given because of what happened there. And uh, right. there was a total of 11 and a half million dollars in salary lost. Wow. And I want to say those Pistons fans are still to this day banned from the arena, even yep. the little Caesars, mm-hmm. not yep. just permanently uh, banned. Yep. Pass. I wonder, I wonder what they would what would happen if they got in line and they had a ticket from StubHub for a game? I wonder if all the, the staff knows their faces, studied their faces. That would be, that'd be no, an interesting question. There's no way. But, I, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's a process to it. But, I mean, you know, listen, man, that, you know, there, there, there's got to be something because there's no way. Um, there's no way Detroit ever wants to be associated with those fans ever again. Right. Um, right. It, unfortunately – um looking on this situation it does um it does unfortunately um it leaves a black eye for everyone involved um this doesn't make anyone look good nope um you know to me even if you want my opinion 
I don't think there's a right side. I don't, I, I don't think there's a right side. I only think there's a wrong side. I think every single part of the situation you can mm-hmm. pick at and you can show what each, each side did wrong. You know what I mean? Ben Wallace, right. you didn't have to freak out like that. Ron yeah. Artest, you didn't have to follow him that hard in the first place. You didn't have to charge in the crowd. Uh, but on the other hand, you didn't have to throw that beer. You know what I mean? Man, you should, so, throw the beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. every single piece of this has something that goes, man, if only that didn't happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, yeah. um, you know, ultimately it is a, <laughs> it is a dark, dark, dark time, um, in Pistons history, mm-hmm. but man, oh man, is it not one of the most interesting situations to look back at and go, yeah, wow. And, and, happened? and that, that goes to the point of <sighs> Pacers fans, Anyone who is listening who identifies as a Pacer fan, it, it goes to Sean's point. There's no one person, one team that's its fault. It's everyone's at fault. You can't put this on the Pistons organization that we made your team fail, that, that, that you guys got the harsher of the punishments. Everyone's at fault here. Everyone's guilty. Which, by the Do way, not- which, yeah. by the way, of course, your organization's going to get the harsher of the punishments when, when what was being seen was your players going into the stands and assaulting yeah. fans. So right. at the 100%. end of the day, that happened. So um, mm-hmm. ultimately, um, that is what killed their finals chances. That is what killed um, their chances of being a championship team. But at the end of the day, um, if that's what could take down your team, then maybe you didn't really have much of a championship team in the first place. And that's my opinion. I agree too, Sean. I agree too. Um, Yeah, that was an absolutely wild time in NBA history. And by the way, um, the Malice at the Palace documentary premieres on Netflix Tuesday, August 10th. Wow. Um, That's uh, two weeks from today. It's a week from today, Troy. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, a week from today. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. A week from yeah, today. That's a week from today. So um, by the time this episode comes out next week, um, by the time this episode comes out, uh, less than a week, we will be watching that Malice of the Palace documentary. I'm excited to hear about it from the Pacers side, you know, just because to me, there is nothing more interesting to me than what is going through on our test head during all that. Yeah. And, and, and even as, even what goes through his head after the fact, because, you know, it was a crazy crazy scene and yeah uh, it's it's something Do we know that... who's directing the documentary sean um yeah so um it's actually part of a series um okay. so so it's 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 a part of a series uh that they're coming out with called untold um and it's it's essentially a docuseries about uh, about sports events and untold parts of them um it looks like it is from um let me see here so um it's essentially from uh it looks like they made some good um the the creators of wild wild country whatever that is so um it looks like they will always be doing episodes it looks like they'll also be doing episodes on caitlin jenner boxer christy martin and professional tennis player marty fish so nothing more interesting than this not malice of the palace one that's for sure (laughs) Um, but yeah man i'm excited to see it i'm excited to check it out um, the malice of the palace, man, that is a situation I think 
Um, I don't think we could ever get enough information and stories on it because at the end of the day, there's always going to be more that we're wondering about that situation. Yeah. yeah. And I I believe, uh, was it all the smoke podcast with uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson? Mm -hmm. They had some takes on it. Even when they had rip on the show, rip Hamilton, they talked about it a little bit too. And um, yeah, I think they're, they're mature about it now, but uh, I think this documentary will be, more than we've known in the past 17 years yeah and hopefully hopefully we can kind of you know uh now that we're talking about it as much as we're about to be um hopefully we can just put a ribbon on it too and put it behind us because i think it's best i think it's best for everybody if we just eventually move on from this you know what i mean (laughs) so um yeah i'm excited to see what happens um but with that troy um, that is going to do it um, from half court this week. We got a, we did it, man. We did it under three hours. Dude, no, we did it under two, and that is impressive. That that's great. That's insane, with all the man. stuff that happened with free agency the past couple <sighs> of days. My goodness, we Troy, man. There is so much to dive into, and there's going to be a lot more to dive into as we keep going along. And now that we're going to be in the, uh, now that we're officially in the off season, we got all this stuff behind us. Um, we have some pretty cool stuff coming in the books and uh, coming down the line and I'm excited to uh, get into that but that will be happening next week because this has been a from half court where each and every week Troy and I sit down and talk all things NBA basketball again you can follow me on Twitter at Shania West 255 you can follow Troy Sergi at Troy Sergi 44 be sure to give us a follow give this episode a like let us know what you're thinking of free agency and most importantly if you are an NBA fan give us a good review Give us a follow on the podcast services of your choice and be sure to share with your friends. As always, I've been Sean Murphy. That has been Troy Sergi, and we will see you next time from Half Court. 